you're driving your car and you get you get a call on your phone that says hey mr or miss customer we have realized that there might be a potential problem that can happen in the future so we want to schedule for your service appointment you got a call before your problem even happens and you got a solution for the for this issue so you can actually have your car still with you and you can continue driving without having any interruption in your experience this is what we call proactive and data based customer services. And this is all because we get all the usage data from the car and all the other data that we have, and we create meaningful insights out of it. We don't just use the data and we'll capture the data for the sake of having data. We have to create meaningful insights out of it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of CX Insider. Today, Adam and I talk to Ayman Ismail, Head of Customer Engagement Solutions at Smart Europe. In today's episode, we will talk about Ayman's views on how car companies create omnichannel experiences, whether these are new brands or legacy companies. I hope you'll enjoy this episode, and if you do, please don't forget to let us know on our LinkedIn page. By the way, this podcast was brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. Eamon is someone you would call a global citizen. Being half Dutch from his mother's side and half Egyptian from his father's side, Eamon's multicultural heritage allowed him to gather experiences from all around the world, and that includes his personal and work life. Due to the fact that I come from this multicultural background, I enjoyed cultures, so that resulted in me traveling around the world living in many countries, I've traveled, I think, to more than 50-something countries in the last 10 years. So um, I got to be introduced to many different cultures, whether on a personal level and knowing um, how they, let's say, react on a daily basis and how they deal with their lives. But also, from a, from a job perspective, I actually learned a lot on how different cultures deal with their customers. And the customer cultures are actually quite different if you go to Southeast Asia, to Africa, to Middle East, to Europe, and to the United States, or the North Americans and South America. Uh, and from there, I developed this passion. And this passion is basically um, came from my personal experience with brands, where I suffered a lot calling their contact centers to get solutions or going to the website to try to search, sort certain things during my processes there. And I realized more and more that I actually think that companies are not doing more than they should do or are not doing enough in order for them to help their customers have an easier life. Um, and that's that's where I started uh, Yeah, my career. I started a contact center agent a very long time ago, 21 years ago, I think, where we used to sell what we, uh, we used to sell certain, um, let's say, international lines to customers in the United States while I'm sitting in Cairo, in an office in the middle of Cairo. Uh, we used to call it, we used to sell ice to Eskimos. So it wasn't an easy way, <laughs> job that we had, but I gradually grew from there. So I, um, I worked in the contact center business. I worked as a a sales uh, salesperson, then I started managing teams, then I started moving up the ladder. And that's when customer experience sparked my interest when I was in Middle East back in 2007. And it was something quite new there. And from there, I actually started learning more about it. And I started developing a strategy for an insurance company, which was quite a hit because we were the first to develop an actual customer experience strategy with actual packages that work for the customers. And it resulted to me, I started speaking about it as well because it was sparking interest for many different industries, whether telecom, whether media, or so on. Um, I worked also in the media industry, so it was quite interesting and unique for me to see uh, the different way of dealing with the customer in that industry, then moved to the telecom, 
financial services. And, uh, and then actually I landed where my passion is, the automotive industry. Um, and five years, actually six years back, I started work for Mercedes-Benz. I well, had the privilege to uh, travel around the world, know the customer cultures, whether B2B, whether B2C, work for the passenger car airlines, and work to develop contact center businesses, especially on the omni-channel side uh, across the world. Um, I implemented uh, many different strategies and services across around 50 plus countries in Europe, Africa, uh, North America, South America, and in Asia. Um, and now here I am, I'm Ruth Smart. Um, I'm where my passion is. Um, we are restarting our brand with a new product, uh, new services, greenfield approach when it comes to all the technical infrastructure. And I'm able to do what I believe customers deserve, which is create an effortless experience together with our um, um, chief experience officer, uh, where we wanna actually have a seamless approach to everything related to uh, customer experience and customer journey, but also my side, where we want to create remarkable experiences in every interaction the customer has with us, um, whether physical or whether digital. According to a survey, 82% of marketers believe they deliver great customer experience, but only 8% of customers think their expectations are met. Why is there such a big perception gap? Let me put it this way. I think majority of the CX leaders uh, believe that they actually provide the best customer experience that they can provide. Um, I think it's a, um, it's a push issue of perception because the majority that believe that when you talk with their customers, the customers say, no, they don't actually deliver exceptional customer experience or customer services. And I, I think the problem is we see it from our point of view, sitting in our seats as CX leaders and thinking from our perspective while we use the buzzwords, hey, we are customer centric, uh, we focus on our customers, customers is in the heart of everything we do, but have we actually thought about it in the right way? Have we spoken with our customers, especially the ones that we lost, the ones that actually don't speak to us directly in our surveys, but actually speak online. Have we checked what, they, what they're saying about us in their blogs um, or in their social media groups uh, where mostly brands don't actually go there and, and see what's going on? And this is where the problem is. It's, it's this disconnect between what we perceive as exceptional customer experience and what the actual customers perceive from the journey that they have with us. And I think once we start listening carefully to everything that is said, and that's not just by deploying voice of customer surveys, checking the five-star ratings that we actually develop, by go, but by going to where they are in their own communities and their blogs. And I encourage sometimes to do some face-to-face -face sessions on a yearly basis where you have customer clinics, bring your customers in, the ones that were happy with you and the ones that were really upset and had multiple complaints with you. Sit down with them and just listen. And you'll be surprised with everything that they will tell you because you'll realize, oh, the direction that I was heading to is actually not working. I need to do something about it because what the customer is telling me about the way they perceive my services is completely different from where I thought and where my surveys actually showed me that I'm performing very well. In today's world, omnichannel options are expected from majority of customers and the bar is only getting higher. So let's dive into how exactly omnichannel is built in a company like Smart. I think at Smart Europe, we are very lucky with the leadership team that we have. Uh, whether uh, my boss or our chief uh, executive officer, our CEO, Derek Adelman, or whether with um, our chief experience officer, Bjorn Schick, or our um, chief operational officer, who is also responsible for the sales part, uh, Andre. Um, the three of them um, have this vision, and this vision is let's 
try to create this dent in the automotive universe. We're not going to do what we always do. We need as a company, as a leadership team, to actually prioritize customer as much as possible. And it's all about effortless experience. It's all about how the customer perception is on what we do, not what we see should be there for our customers only. Um, and how can we make life easier? Because in the end, um, we're, we're a brand that delivers a product that customers will use on a daily basis. And it, we need to make it secure. We need to make it uh, actually a, a brand that customers can rely on. And our mission is to create an urban companion with our brand and our services for our customers. So from there, we decided um, um, as a company that we will create this by creating a seamless online journey where customers that normally go to the physical showrooms to perform uh, the test drive or to actually talk about the brand and maybe even go there to buy the brand and sign the contracts and so on, um, they actually go to the website and they can perform everything there. They can schedule their own test drives. They can even proceed with buying the car online, customize it. They don't have to have a salesperson to actually guide them through the journey. And what, what I'm doing here is that I'm making sure that I'm connected completely with every touch point that we have with our customers via our engagement center. And across this journey, we will be able to ha have the data that we need from our customers based on the interaction data, engagement data, whatever data that we can get from the customer based on the GDPR framework, of course, or the privacy frameworks that we have. And from there, we'll be able to personalize certain offerings for our customers, personalize interaction channels with our customers. Because I'm a customer, for example, that doesn't like to call. Uh, a company to understand more or doesn't like to go to the physical showroom to to get more information. I would like to do everything on, on the, in the palm of my hand with my phone while I'm on my uh, WhatsApp or my iMessage or using the Facebook messages or so on or other messages that are out there. So for me, I would like also the communication back from my brand to be on the channel that I prefer. And from there, this is what we're doing. We decided, especially on the customer engagement side, that we will be where the customers are. We will connect our engagement center to every touch point and every channel that is out there. And from there, we will still have the, the, all the data visible for everybody that is using our systems to support the customers, whether reactively or whether even proactively when the customers need us to, don't need us to support, but when we need to actually perform certain activities for, their, for them. And let me give you an example. You're driving your car and you get, um, you get a call on your phone uh, that says, uh, hey, Mr. or Ms. Customer, uh, we have realized that there might be a potential uh, problem that can happen in the future, so we want to schedule for you a service appointment. You got a call before your problem even happened, and you got a solution for, the, for this issue, so you can actually have your car still with you, and you can continue driving without having any interruption in your experience. This is what we call proactive, uh, proactive and data based customer services. And this is all because we get all the usage data from the car and all the other data that we have, and we create meaningful insights out of it. We don't just use the data and we'll capture the data for the sake of having data. We have to create meaningful insights out of it. I was going to ask, Eamon, you said something in there. Um, you said the word urban companion, which I love. And I think you've kind of answered it what you just said, but is the whole theory about it being a companion, the fact that it is connected almost like a live and smart stroke your vehicle are actually feeding back to you what it wants. Like you just use the example that I might need a service because something's happening. Is that where the companion comes from? You know, can, can you tell me a little bit more about urban companion? Because I've not heard that term before and I love it. I think it's a really great idea. Let me tell you my perception of urban companion and more than the, the company's one. But for us, urban companion means stay connected with your customers and, and 
as a customer, um, especially in this digital world that we have, um, everything is digital. Everything can be performed from your phone or from your laptop. And this is what we want to do. Give your customer the control of the car and of everything around the car from, from their phone and also connected with the communities. But what I believe what we will deliver with being an urban companion is having an ecosystem of services that can that the customer can actually utilize and share with the family and friends. And the car will not just be the car, the car will be a, a part of their lives. I'm using the car, but I can perform certain services there. I can sit down in the car and chill and actually play games or even message people uh, in, in the car or even have a video chat in the car if I want to or watch Netflix or so on and so forth as other brands are already doing like Tesla and so on. And we're, we want to take it a step further. We want to build this relationship with the customer that's a love relationship. This is not just a car. It's not just an urban companion. You have this love to the brand. Smart has always had what we call brand lovers, those fans that loved everything that SMART stands for. And we still want to take it where we are growing right now to the same level. And we're growing up and we're having bigger cars, but still the love connection that we had with the, with the previous cars, we want to keep it with our current line of cars that we're going to have. So, Eamon, I've literally just come, come, come into my head. So you obviously worked in telco. I also worked in telco. And I remember when the iPhone came out. And it's fair to say that the iPhone completely changed mobile phones. Absolutely did. They gave a good user experience. The customer experience on an iPhone was far greater than BlackBerry and far greater than Windows phones and Symbian phones that Nokia made. And it completely changed. And Nokia and things died as a result. From what you've just said, which actually sounds pretty exciting, do you see the car as being almost like another mobile phone? Is that like what you're saying? Are you saying that there's no reason why you're sitting in your car, you're on a motorway, that you shouldn't be able to do all the stuff you should be able to do on a phone? Actually, somehow, yes. Of course, we need to make sure that if the customer is driving, they are safe. And certain applications, certain things that they normally do with the mobile phones cannot be done while they're driving. But if you're waiting for your car to charge, and right now you have to wait sometimes for your car to charge, you need to feel that the car is another mobile phone. It's another. It's your new tablet. It's your new phone, and you should do same things that you do with your phone on your car. Uh, yes, and, and that's actually the game-changing factor that Tesla has challenged us all in the automotive industry with, with the way they developed their uh, UI UX, with the way they developed their digital component inside the car, and made the customers feel more connected. And, and when I go to social media, I see a lot of these videos of of those. Uh, Tesla uh, enthusiasts that are sh- showcasing the new, the playing a game on on their uh, on their on their uh, car while they're charging it, or actually watching a movie together uh, while they're sitting out sitting in the car in a nice area and just enjoying being inside the car. The car is not just for me to use it to go from A to B. It is now a companion, and it's your new digital tablet or digital mobile phone, and that's that's where the cars are heading. In our previous episodes, you heard from a legacy auto brand how they utilize their technology systems. Well, now you can hear a different perspective from a newer brand. So I'll tell you this. We learned a lot and we still learn a lot from Mercedes-Benz as one of our mother companies or from um, our Chinese mother company, Geely. Um, There's a lot of technology lessons learned, let me put it this way, that we got out of them. But what what benefited us as the new smart, let me put it this way, is the fact that we decided that we saw the greenfield approach. Uh, legacy systems, um, while they have been developed for reasons and they actually perform in a certain way, 
but it doesn't allow us to connect with our customers the way we need to connect to it in this century and in this time of age. Um, pandemic came in, a lot of companies realized where we are right now is not the right direction. We need to do something about it. But for them to be able to change from the legacy systems where everything is in-house or everything is on-premise, where systems are not that well connected with each other, takes them a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of, uh, a lot of cost behind it in order for them to realize it. Um, that's why, um, and I think that was a decision that was even before I came in when we were still a small project, we were not even a company. I came in at 20, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, and I already saw, heard that decision from my boss, the CEO, and he said, we're not going to rely on any system that is there. We're going to start from scratch. And why we're starting from scratch? Because we are going to be a data-driven organization, and we are going to be a customer-centric organization, and those two go hand in hand. You cannot be data-driven without being customer-centric because you need to use the data in the right way to serve your customers in the best way. And to serve the customers in the best way, we need the right data in our hands to be able to perform these services that we would like to have. So I believe that um, it's not easy for organizations, especially um, uh, corporates that has been there for a while that had these systems forever to actually let go. Uh, my personal opinion is that it needs some guts. It needs some bold decisions in the boardroom to say, hey, it's time for us to let go of the past. And yes, we invested a lot, but we need to scrap it out, take what we can use out of it, and push it to our to the new system, to the new world. And whether you want to do it on the cloud, or whether you don't want to do it with a hybrid approach, it doesn't matter, but you definitely need to let go of what you had already with legacy systems that you have and move to the world that it is right now. Because let's be honest, in five, 10 years, those who still use legacy system will struggle a lot. And that will actually result to a lot of loss with customers. And as you said, a lot of brands are rising in the automotive world, especially in the EV world, um, that are actually building everything from scratch. And they have that advantage. So we need to move to where they are right now. And that's what we're doing with Smart. Having the knowledge and experience from multiple countries and cultures, Eamon explains why it is so advantageous to hire talent from different industries. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why Mercedes-Benz uh, um, hired me. It's because I didn't come from an automotive background. I'm bringing different perspectives towards the automotive industry because there's a lot to learn. If you see uh, where the telecommunication industry is, where the M&O industry is, uh, or airline, they are far ahead when it comes to digitalization than a lot of automotive companies were in five years. And a lot of the automotive companies started getting people that are from these industries to give their experiences and develop new strategies, especially digital strategies, to be connected more with the customer. But also, let's be honest, the automotive industry is right now not just a car manufacturing industry. It is providing much more than that. And data is the true assets. And somehow, let, I believe that the car is your new digital product. It's a digital product, like a phone, like a laptop, uh, like any other digital product that we buy. And we want it to be connected. So this is where the focus of all the automotive industries is right now. And um, at Smart, yes, uh, we actually rely on that. Most of the employees at Smart Europe here in Europe right now in Stuttgart are not coming from an automotive industry. Our CX director is not coming from automotive industry. Uh, so basically, we are deploying automotive uh, experts, but also non-automotive experts, bringing them together in one place. And we are the ones that are developing the future for our customers.
When people complete more than half of their journey online, bricks and mortar car dealerships need to redefine their role. And with that also comes the role of customer agents and salespeople. Um, let me give you an example of a story that I heard um, from one of my friends. They were in the United States during the pandemic and they wanted to buy a car. And of course, you cannot just go to the showroom to buy the car. But they went online, searched for uh, for the brand that they wanted to buy. And all of a sudden, they managed to get somebody to talk with them on a video chat, to show them the car, to explain to them everything while they're on the video chat. And they closed the deal completely online. And a few weeks later, hey, the car was delivered to the front door. The, this person never, ever thought that they would buy a car completely online. It was not an online e-commerce platform. But still, they performed almost all the activities online, except a couple of papers that had to be signed and scanned and sent back. But everything else was online. So you need to have the mix because, let's be honest, I still sometimes want to go and try the car. And I need I need the, the, the physical retailers for that. The physical retailers, retailers also have a good connection with their community around them. So we need them also to sell the cars. But I need to offer them the ability to do it online as well. And for the, for the uh, sales agent to still get the customer to see that there's an online journey. And hey, while I'm doing that for you, you can still go back home and sit down and continue your online journey if you want. But if you are not relying on the digital world, you will fail and you will fail very soon. You need to create the right balance and the right mix. It's all about the balancing act between Absolutely. Both. And you mentioned about sales agents, staff. They're a huge part of this because if the customer, the consumer, at any point within that buying journey or whatever journey they need and they want to speak to a member of staff, I suppose a challenge for smart and a challenge for all automotive um, retailers out there is getting your agents on board with these new unique journeys because the days I suppose of a consumer arriving in a showroom, not knowing anything about a car, being completely blind and going, oh, that's the new smart. I didn't know that even existed. Are probably dying or gone. So people are becoming educated before they even arrive at a showroom or if they arrive on a video call. How have smart or how have you, what do you see people um, getting agents on board with this? Because I'm guessing you must invest hugely in terms of training and you know, how, how, do you, how do you challenge that? Yeah, uh, we actually, yes, um, we invest a lot and we have to invest a lot because um, they are our partners. We need them um, in order for us to be able to spread our brand out there and, and sell our cars. So, but they actually got really excited because what they saw is that instead of having to rely on five, six, seven, and sometimes 10 different systems to push one document after the next in order for me to get the contract done and then have to push the, the car delivery orchestration process or have to push the order process and so on and so forth in those many systems, I can actually do it in one system. I can actually do it maybe even in a tablet. I can be looking really good in front of my customer more digital. I don't have to wait in the showroom. I can actually go meet them somewhere, to sit with them in, in, a, in, a, in a cafe, have a coffee with them, and actually do everything off of my tablet or for my iPad. And, and that's why they got, they, they got the feeling that, oh, actually, what Smart is delivering for us is also a unique experience for me because we also want to deliver a unique experience, not only for our retailers and our sales agents, for every employee that we have at Smart. So we needed to make sure that we create a seamless eco-platform, ecosystem of services and different solutions that are interconnected together, that are completely integrated, that have the ability to to get me to jump from point A to point, to point Z in my processes without having to connect to one system after the next. 
And once they saw that and they saw the approach that we want to build and the fact that they have an engagement center or what we call normally a contact center behind them, that can also be their voice. And we can share back and forth information. And if the customer starts at the physical world and goes to the digital world, there's no disconnect happening. We all know what's happening. We all know what the customer talked on the other side and we're sharing that information back and forth. They realized, actually, I am going to have an easier job and I can only focus on selling and everything else is done digitally and in an automated way. So I have to just emphasize, it's not just about creating a customer effortless experience. It's also about creating an employee effortless experience. Because I, I am a firm believer that a customer journey is nothing if you don't focus also on the employee journey. It's, think about it as an iceberg. What you see on top of the ocean is the customer journey, but the bigger portion behind it that impacts the customer experience overall is the employee journey. And without having that also in mind, we will not be able to give the customers what we want to give them, which is an exceptional customer experience. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you did, please don't forget to like, share, or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred channel. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with Eamon and join the community on our LinkedIn page. Also, many thanks to our sponsor, ACF Technologies. Enjoy rapid-fire questions, and I will see you next time. My first question is, what did you want to become when you were a child? Ah, uh, okay. I have some interesting... My girlfriend asked me that question and I had some interesting answers for her. So it wasn't phases. It started by wanting to be an astronaut. When I was around five years old, I just got fascinated by the, the stories of astronauts going to the moon and going to the space where it's so vacuum, but you're still so close to these world where I also started realizing the world that we're living in is very small. So, and I actually, uh, sorry, not email because there was no email back then. I actually sent a letter to NASA, a five-year-old letter in English. And I remember my mom had to help me because I was only speaking Dutch and Arabic. And she had to help me and write the letter and express to them that I want to one day join them and so on. And they actually sent me this after a month. They sent me a lot of material and a signed letter. I don't remember from, it was from one of the Apollo, last Apollo missions, astronauts. And he sent me the signed uh, uh, autograph uh, uh, autograph of the moon and so on and it just got me so hyped up the problem is to go there um in the education path that i was in it wasn't that easy because i hated some of the parts of the studies especially the scientific part i loved physics but i hated a lot of other stuff and you need to study like for example biology and and, and. so i didn't do that and for some reason when i was around 13 i decided that i want to be person that does something in the business world and travel around the world and i don't know what happened literally two years later i started my journey of education and traveling around the world and i am stuck in the business world since then what countries are on your travel list uh, what countries are in my travel list mm -hmm. oh um actually quite a lot so luckily enough i'm i'm gonna now have a, or i'm gonna this year have a journey to south america where i'm gonna see brazil Argentina, uh, Chile, and uh, Uruguay. So I'm going to spend around 21 days in the uh, southern su summer because their summer is going to be around Q3, Q4. So I'm going there in November. But I have, actually, I want to go to uh, Tuvalu, which is the furthest country in the world. It's after Fiji. This is one of my, my uh, dreams to do with my girlfriend. And I want to go, uh, actually, kind of want to explore everything. Uh, I'm missing some countries in Africa that I haven't seen. I'm missing a lot of countries in Asia that I haven't seen. The world is such a beautiful place. 
there's still a lot more to see. I knew personal questions would be better. Um, <laughs> my third question. <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Ooh. That's so intriguing because I would like to have both. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, but I would like to learn every language in the world because I think people have more stories than animals can give me. I think I will learn a lot from the animal kingdom because let's be honest, it's it's a mystery to, for all of us till now. But I still, I love humans and I think we all are amazing creatures and we all have amazing stories. And whenever I traveled, I hear these stories and I, sometimes I'm touched, sometimes I laugh and sometimes I cry with them. And I want to hear more of that. And to be able to hear it in their own languages will make it even better. Mm-hmm. Last question is, Oh, by the way, how many languages do you speak? Ah, I speak Dutch uh, and Arabic, mostly Egyptian Arabic, but I can speak almost all the Arabic dialects, 20 plus dialects. And I speak English, right. of course. Um, I think English, although my mother tongue is Dutch, my father tongue is Arabic, um, English is the language that I use the most. I am now have to speak German somehow, so I speak it in a Dutch way. So I'm not the perfect in it, but I try my best. I can say some Africans. I can talk some Africans, and I'm learning Romanian because my girlfriend is Romanian. And I can maneuver myself around a couple of other because of the business relationships that I had while traveling. You have to learn these icebreakers, you know, when you're traveling. Yeah, the icebreakers are really important uh, when you travel, whether in Asia, whether in Europe, whether in Africa. And I learned some icebreakers uh, along the way. And now Spanish. You will learn Spanish. Uh, yeah. I can um, I can say so, so, so certain things in a funny way and it makes people laugh and then uh, we switch in English, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and if you could interview anyone, who would that be? Interview anyone? Who mm-hmm. would that be? Alive or dead? Uh, anyone. Anyone. Who? If I'll interview somebody right now, I would like to talk with Elon Musk. And I think everybody will say that, but I have my own personal reasons. I want to know how a kid from Africa, uh, especially from South Africa, where um, with all the struggles that we have in Africa, managed to be where they are right now. And I want to understand the struggle more. If I want to talk with somebody that is that, and um, I've actually kind of like look up to that person is actually Nikola Tesla. Because this guy created a lot for this world, and he was uh, he was not appreciated uh, that much. He only got appreciated recently, and I really want to understand his vision for a better world for this for the human being. Let's say. Thank you very much. That animal question. Where did that come from, Valentina? Google. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. It would be awesome to speak with the squirrels because I see them around. Like while I'm talking with you, I have like five squirrels jumping around and I want to understand what the hell is going on in their minds sometimes. <laughs> so that would be interesting. It would be, it would be brilliant. No, that was, that was a pleasure to record yeah. this. It's really great, Eamon. Thank you very much. Thank you.